Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. He's like a superhero without the costume. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I uh, just tweeted, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds scaring their teachers. Teachers wearing Kevlar. What about when they're in high school? How much has to do with no zeros? Participation trophies, little discipline. How much is parental absence from their kids' lives? The Global News carried a story a few days ago where 70% of Ontario's elementary school teachers said that they had concerns about violence involving little kids. Little kids! 800-263-2428 is the number. Bob calls us from Vancouver, retired principal. Bob, thank you for the call, sir. Please share with us what you can. Uh, yeah, um, I recently retired just this past summer, and uh, elementary school principal. Uh, my experience has been most of the kids that we've had violence with were kids that were suffering from mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And there just doesn't seem to be any service available for these children. So uh, I know that I heard the uh, the union leader from QP talking about you know holding principals accountable, but uh, our hands are tied from the, from the higher ups. So at the school I was last principal at, we had a class called a special remedial class, and it's a class where children go where behaviors can't be managed anywhere else uh, in the system. And it's generally three adults in the classroom and ten children. And there was one young lad, nine years old, and uh, six times in one year we had to call 911. Uh, and the police came. Uh, normally, sometimes it took up to four officers to control the child. The, the classroom would be completely trashed, like windows broken, furniture thrown, scissors, every, everything completely trashed. Uh, we would evacuate the other children from the room. Um, and then he would be strapped onto a stretcher and taken to uh, to children's, uh, to their mental health unit, and within a few hours released from there. And this happened on six separate occasions. And each day they, each day they could, they sent him back to school. Uh, absolutely, and the parents uh, were having a completely difficult time with them at home as well. They were renters, and of course they were being uh, thrown out because the other uh, other renters couldn't handle it as well and uh, I felt for them because they were reaching out for for support all over the place and it just wasn't available to them. Uh, The last incident where where the child did this, I actually suspended him for the remainder of the week, which was three days, and then arranged for a meeting with the the parent. And when you get one child who's absolutely out of control, that can create a dynamic where the rest of the children in the class, I think regardless of what the class is, they start to become restless, 
and oh, and who knows what can happen. You end up with uh, oh, absolutely. don't forget that in this particular classroom, these are volatile kids. They're all all volatile. Did you have any adult? I don't supervision in that classroom, or did you just close yeah, the door? Yeah, yeah. There, there was a youth and family worker, a teacher, and uh, and an aide. So you had three adults for between eight and ten children. And uh, but uh, yeah, you just had to remove the others from it because, it, like I said, I, I witnessed uh, this this boy being subdued by by police, and then uh, while waiting for the ambulance, and then uh, when they they said, "Are you okay? Can we let you go?" And as soon as they let him go, he went for their throat. So he was on antipsychotic drugs. They were trying to get the right combination, um, but but the the fact remains. In my mind, I was wondering: Well, at what point is a child not capable of actually attending school? I'd say that point was reached and and passed. Well, I would too. And and the sad thing here was when I suspended the child. Uh, when I spoke to my direct superior at the at the school board. Um, there was no concern for the teachers, no concern for myself. It was uh, the only concern was did the father agree to the suspension? And uh, you know, at that point, I didn't really care if anybody agreed to the suspension or not. I felt I had to protect people. But I, but we, what I'm saying, I guess, is that uh, uh, parent lobby groups are so powerful that, uh, especially the special needs community, are extremely powerful. That um, school boards are backing down. And, um, and and I, I, in my opinion, oftentimes we focus too much of, on the individual and forget about the rights of everybody else. Well, I was going to ask. I was going to ask you, Bob, what when you have a class like the one you described, that is being particularly torn apart by a nine-year-old who has some very serious issues. Right. What's the impact on the rest of the school that knows this is going on, and the students know and they can hear what's going on? They know the police are in the building again. What does that do to the rest of the school? Well, especially the younger student, it completely traumatizes them. Uh, I was always shocked because the the people that have the most power are the parents. I was always shocked that the parents of other children weren't ringing the lines down at the school board saying, Mm -hmm. what's going on? Because, uh, yeah, it just completely disrupted the school. And, and, uh, you know, to see two, three police cars and a couple of ambulances showing up, numerous occasions in the school year is uh, would be concerning to me as a parent what um, you just said you, you expected uh, parents to to uh, to be at the school and demanding to know what's going on it reminded me of a call that I received some years ago from a teacher who said that a parent had said to the teacher you're not doing a good job raising my child yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of trust put into uh, put into the school, and it depends on the school. Like, I mean, the, this particular school had a high immigrant population, and, you know, the, the attitude is we're sending our children to you, we trust you, and they don't want to make waves, and uh, unfortunately, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Mm-hmm. And I think in certain other schools uh, where parents would have raised a ruckus, uh, different actions may have have been taken. Uh, I really I really appreciate your call. Had you still been uh, in the school, if you were still the principal, you wouldn't have been able to share the story with me. Uh, well, exactly. I, I'm far more vocal on talk shows now because I'm able to speak out uh, because I'm not an agent of the board anymore. We were, we, as administrators, we were constantly reminded that we were agents of the board and uh, basically being, basically almost a gag order couldn't speak out against the policies of the board. Yeah, let me ask you one more question. How helpful 
Are the no-zero policies where they exist? How helpful are the participation trophies? And how helpful are the nobody-can-fail-everybody-moves-ahead policies? Yeah, no, you know what? I'm, I'm old school. <laughs> I don't... Uh... I feel that, like I believe in praising children. I, you know, uh, anytime you use a negative, there, there should at least be t- ten times where you find an opportunity to praise a child. But you don't praise children for something that they haven't done well. Otherwise, it becomes meaningless. Exactly. And participation trophies and that are, are meaningless, right? They, they don't mean anything, and the kids know it too. Yeah. The kids, the kids absolutely know it as well. Yeah. yeah. Bob, thank you so much for your call. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks, Roy. Take care. Bob is in Vancouver, retired principal in uh, Edmonton. Rory. Hi, Rory. Hey, Roy. uh, There's actually uh, been five gun-related incidents in the last year in Alberta, including a prop gun incident in St. Albert just a few weeks ago, and the child was back in the school within just a couple of days. But the problem is the police don't know until they get there that it's a prop gun or not. Now, the other four happen to not be prop guns, but the thing is I think it's... You know, I do security work part-time, but I, I notice with these kids, especially when schools or if I go to a public library, because I'm recovering from medical leave, so I'll go to public libraries to read books and that, and you look at computers and 90% of the computers are all taken up by kids playing these violent video games and are, you can see they're high on their Ativan and other drugs, and then, and then they have the mindset of the gun, guns and the violence that they want to shoot to kill, and they talk about the, who's shooting and actually wanting to go to gun ranges and things. You know, clearly there's an understanding of the problem. There's a societal understanding. People know what's going on. People, people know, people are aware, and yet nothing, literally, is being done. Nothing. Other than there's a lot of, there's a lot of CYA going on. Yeah, like 20-odd years ago, I was visiting my brother in a classroom, and some other kid came along, and I was just visiting him to give him a ride home from school. And some other kid came in with a BB gun, and he was shooting with a BB gun, and they took, they took the BB gun away from the kid, but they couldn't do anything beyond hold him and lock him in the classroom. They couldn't hit him and knock him out or anything like that. And they take the BB gun, and a day and a half later, the kid was back in school. There was no punishment. So, uh, we're not in a good place. Yeah. We're not in a good place, Rory. Thank you for the call from Edmonton. We're not in a good place. When this sort of thing is routine, it's routine in schools across the country. In the United States, already 11 school shootings in the first 22 days of 2018. 11 school shootings in the first 23 days of the year. And in this country, teachers wearing Kevlar into the classroom because they're afraid of their 7, 8, 9, and 10-year-olds. A number of years ago, we were doing a segment that was similar to this, and I remember speaking with a grade five teacher, and she said she and her husband had recently moved. They had lived close to the school that she taught at, but they had recently moved some 10 or 15 miles away. And I asked why, and she said, I know you know what the answer is already. She said, they can't get to my house now. When I lived fairly close by to the school, they could either walk or get on their bicycles and come and terrorize me or vandalize my house. Now they can't reach my house anymore. That was a number of years ago. When we come back, opioids. Stick around.